Hello and welcome to Karaoke Theory. On today's episode, Justin and I continue our conversation with journalist Anne Quito. We talk a bit about our own backgrounds, why we're so passionate about karaoke, and, very importantly, how we go about picking the perfect karaoke songs. So please take a listen. But then other songs that I've picked up was just from going all the time and hearing other people do songs. Mm. And like I've stolen so many like good ideas, like my go to song, which my favorite song is Celine Dion, All Coming Back to Me Now. Um, and I, I just heard someone do that in karaoke. I think they did it as a duet. And I was like, this is the greatest karaoke song <laughs> of all time. I'm never doing any other song again. With that song in particular, it's it's effective because well, songs that are are dramatic like that. There's no there's no long musical interludes in that. It's it's basically all sung through the whole way. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's like that. It is the one of those perfect Jim Steinman. It's like seven minutes long. Uh, <laughs> there is an extended version. Like it is. It's the only the only bad thing about that song is the intro. The intro is slightly long. Um, but you can kind of get the room going with like the drama and some dramatic uh, hand move- motions. Does one do karaoke for an audience or for oneself? Well, we're both uh, narcissists, so <laughs> doing it for an audience is doing it for ourselves. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. Well, I I think maybe this is the time where I tell this really embarrassing story. But um, You're full of them. I am full of lots of embarrassing stories. This is just like therapy for me. Um, so my friend Sinead, it was her birthday and they were finishing dinner and I was having dinner with my parents and they finished after me. So they said, oh, can you hang around for 20, 30 minutes um, and then we'll just all arrive at the club together. So I was near my favorite karaoke bar in London, which is unfortunately closed and now it was called The Birdcage. But like an alcoholic goes for one drink, um, I went for what I told myself would be one song um, and then turned up, I think, two, maybe three hours late um, to my really good friend's birthday. Um, and people were quite annoyed at me. Um, and one girl, Neve, who I adore, shouted at me and was like, this is getting out of hand. This is ridiculous. You're so addicted to karaoke. 
And I was a little bit tipsy as well at the time. And I turned to her and I said, I'm not addicted to karaoke. I'm addicted to attention. <laughs> I feel like the name of this series should be karaoke therapy. Yeah, it should be karaoke therapy. Anna's karaoke. Anna's karaoke therapy. <laughs> the, the experience of karaoke and the experience of unpacking why we do karaoke it is very, very therapeutic. I mean, I would consider myself in many circumstances a shy person, but being on stage is a, it's a much different experience of getting to project myself and getting, getting to inhabit a song that is much more emotional than is would be something that gets like Lionel Richie can sing uh I'm your knight in shining armor and or no that's Kenny Rogers can sing I'm your <laughs> Lionel Richie wrote uh lady so I'm your knight in shining armor and I love you but I mean that's that's a very strange thing to say but I mean it's like that's the same thing where it's like are you thinking of me when you fuck her that's a very strange thing to say too but it's totally appropriate to sing I was going to save this question for last but can we go deeper into why you love karaoke so much? I mean, I think mine relates to the story about me being addicted to attention. <laughs> and I think like I think it's in a way even though I love karaoke and I think I've now progressed on to because I love sharing karaoke with people. But I think when it started, when I started in particular and when I got really into it, was a completely like selfish reason that like I've always wanted to be on stage I went to drama school and I'm not a particularly I'm not a gifted enough singer that I could have ever like sung on a stage but people have to listen um so I think that there is that sort of selfish narcissism in there um but I think now I've I've gotten to the point where I also really love it and I love taking friends of mine who are shy and making them do karaoke and I'm like making them love it. That has not worked on me. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know how it hasn't. Well, give me time. Give me time. <laughs> Maybe in a slightly less um, selfish direction. I think of the the way that karaoke has been like. Uh, okay, so so I grew up Catholic, like uh, I imagine you did as well, mm-hmm. um, and I. I actually enjoyed my church experience more than a lot of my peers did. It was like partly we didn't go to the parish church. We went to a different church. So it was it was it was we were electing to be there as opposed to going there because we of some like emotional baggage and fear of mortal sin. But, you know, I I didn't I, I haven't stayed connected with like the whole presence of God thing. But I did. I feel like I did really connect with the community and the particularly the experience of like singing in a big group together. Mm. And what I like about karaoke is not necessarily being even on stage, although that's, that's fun. I like the experience of being in a group of people where there is the person on stage is like the, the choir master and you are, you are just singing along. They're leading us in song. And it's this very communal emotional experience that, that you're this communion with strangers or people who are becoming your friends. Mm. And yeah. Anyways, karaoke's replaced religion in my life. <laughs> the it church is of my karaoke. Yeah, and I think I mean thankfully, I think it's more so since I've left New York as well is that that community aspect has kind of become more important. Um and actually where I do karaoke in Shoreditch, it's usually on um Fridays. It's a place called Spread Eagle, and there is an amazing hodgepodge of people. 
ranging from I'm not joking. Oh, I guess I'm one of the younger people in maybe the core group that go all the time, but it ranges from mid twenties through eighty five. And even more so than New York, where I think karaoke in New York, maybe just because we sang in Brooklyn a lot, was kind of a young man's game. In London, it's much more of an older crowd. Like, I met a guy who I hadn't seen in a while who used to go to Birdcage. And then after it closed down, I didn't see him for ages. Um, And then he came back and he's a terrible singer, but he's a sweetheart and he always does Footloose. And he was talking to me about how he'd had a stroke and he'd been in a hospital and then he fought for his life and like he had one more song in him and like he'd come back. Like it was amazing. And now I go like every Friday because of that group of people of every ethnicity, every age, every just like socioeconomic level. Like it's so interesting. And now I think I've fo- fully started to appreciate like loving watching people do karaoke as well as much as like me doing it myself i just thought of a a tagline for this series karaoke better than scientology (laughs) (laughs) karaoke is our religion we don't want to say anything about scientology they've got got very powerful lawyers yeah and probably a whole bunch of scientology podcasts i'm guessing okay fine they'll try and shut us down but you're saying that karaoke is its own kind of universal language yes definitely like I've done, it's funny when you talk about language, but especially now that I've got increasingly addicted to karaoke. Like I've done karaoke in Barcelona four days ago. I rocked up to a karaoke bar by myself because I didn't want to go to a club by myself, but I also didn't want to go to bed. And I can, even though I'm pretty extroverted, like I still wouldn't go to a nightclub by myself. Like that's too far. Um, I'll happily go to a restaurant, but I went to a karaoke bar and I made a whole bunch of friends and I did karaoke in Turin with my friend Katie. And it's really fun because people... Are Italians eat, like fun at karaoke? Italians are really fun at karaoke. And they're good at singing. And I think then it plays into like picking different songs as well. Reading a room. Because you pick songs with quite simple English or like lots of repetition. Or that you know that everyone is going to know in every language. So in that way you can like make friends. I think there's... There's a crazy guy in Barcelona who was really drunk. He didn't have a word of English, but he kept pointing to his throat and then going like Angel, doing like little wing movements. <laughs> so I think he was trying to tell me I had a voice of an angel, but it just was like throat bird wing flaps. Um, but after about like 10 minutes, it he was like, you have a voice of an angel, which by the way, I don't. Um, but it, it, it meant a lot. But it is in a way that kind of weird universal language. I like that. Um, speaking of a drunk guy, does it help if you're drunk? Well, not drunk. It helps if you're buzzed. Um, <laughs> if you're buzzed. A, like a beer and a half, two beers. You don't want thing is you want to be trying to capture that pureness or that honesty. Sometimes, if you are, sometimes it helps to you know be loosened up a little. But I mean, I don't think that makes it. A necessarily a better experience. It's like you wouldn't. I mean, yes, you. I've I've gone to karaoke high too, but I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend that either. Um, it, I've never done karaoke high, which actually my mom is probably going to be the only person that listens to that podcast. But that's actually true. I've never done it high. <laughs> is it because you need to read the words or need to be? Well, present? I mean, the, part of it is just you. You you can't be totally bombed and. 
Because who wants that? There's two sides of it that are sort of uh, competing forces. I say, like, on one hand, you want to be, you want to be emotionally open, and you want to have be able to expose yourself, um, hopefully in a figurative way. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, you 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 don't want to. You also want to be able to read the room, be able to be cognizant of the world that's around you, be and be sensitive to what other people's needs are. I mean, you, it, it's not even that it's whether it's good for you, but whether you are going to be a good audience member. You don't mm. want to be too drunk for that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Funny, I have like, and this is only a recent development in my life in that, well, actually, I gave up drinking for like the last two months. By the way, I'm drinking champagne right now. But before that, I drank very little just because my hay fever was really bad. But I kept doing karaoke um, and I've done karaoke sober a lot because I'm constantly just like to, with, because of my hay fever, I'm like giving up booze every now and then. And now I love doing karaoke sober more than having any drinks. And my I was kind of thinking about this for a while and I realized that there's like an adrenaline to singing karaoke. And the adrenaline and the adrenaline is heightened when you're sober. And when I sing sober, it's kind of like when you go like on a roller coaster and you get like that adrenaline rush afterwards that when you're sober you're more nervous, you get more adrenaline. So sometimes like after singing, if I'm completely sober, I get like a higher like buzz <laughs> afterwards because I do, f I get really hyper after I've sung if people have liked it. And that makes me feel drunk, even if I haven't been drinking. I feel drunk. Pause and like talk about the visuals of karaoke. All those cheese ball beach scenes and you know like that project. What do you think about those? And does that factor into the performance and your enjoyment of karaoke? Well, that that's something you see more in the booth than you see at the the clubs. Um, but yeah, I think that's what you when you, when you have a, a a video behind you of like. Uh, uh, somebody in the early 90s, like on a beach looking pensive when you're singing like Valerie or whatever. Um, you, you want your you, you need to uh, accommodate that in your performance. You want to reflect not just the song and, and not just the room, but also like I, I want my I want my performance to fit in with the, the beach. The gestalt effect. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I've sort of seen that as well. I like incorporate some dance moves or like some awkward poses mm. that are in the videos. Same like now that I haven't done booth, like I don't do booth that regularly. Um, but actually at the karaoke place that I went to in Barcelona um, on Monday, which was only a few days ago, um, they had the videos playing, but you were on stage. And actually it was tough because the videos were so bad. It was like white kind of denim jackets under a pier dancing around and I kept laughing because some of them were so 
ludicrous and so bad. So it does make your can make your performance worse or better, depending. Like maybe it's fun because you're not taking it as seriously. But I think I was trying to sing. I think I was trying to sing like "Killing Me Softly" mm. by the Fugees, and it was a completely like random video that made no sense, <laughs> and I kept laughing. So that kind of ruined it a little bit. Mm. But I do think that they're sort of hilarious. So. Speaking of the aesthetics of karaoke, what do you wear? What's an ideal outfit? Maybe this is more for the women, but I don't know. I'm a fancy person. I, I like to dress right. nice. Yeah, yeah, you dress up more than me for what karaoke, the, I think. You know you're doing karaoke that day. What do you wear? Well, I, I do remember one night where I knew I was going to do a Stevie Nicks song, so I, I packed a shawl. Which one? <laughs> I did uh, Fleetwood Mac's Dream. So in like the second verse, I, I pulled that out of my back pocket and... Uh, uh, the, the host, Sarah Bowes, went crazy. She was... Well, Kelsey wasn't there. She would have really appreciated it, but Kelsey already already dresses like Stevie Nicks all the time. She does. And she does a very good Fleetwood Mac, actually. Who is Kelsey? Kelsey is a girl that now lives in Portland, I think, mm. who we used to know from doing Pinebox karaoke. Mm. I don't tend to dress up specifically for karaoke usually, but I think it's more after the fact. Like, if I'm, I feel like if I'm dressed more grunge that day because I dress really differently like day to day so if I'm dressed more grungy like I'll probably be more likely to do a Fiona Apple or an Alanis Morissette um, and then if I'm dressed like maybe more girly or I've just come from the office so maybe I'm more professional looking I might change it but I, I don't think I dress up specifically the only time I did it on purpose was I have an amazing new Celine Dion t-shirt and it's in the exact logo of the Celine French brand. Yes. And then underneath where you normally says Celine Paris, it says Celine Dion. So if you look at it quickly, it looks like a fancy Celine t-shirt. Yes. So like when I wore that, I had, I mean, I do Celine Dion most times mm. when I do karaoke anyway. But I knew that I had to do at least two Celine Dion songs that night because I was wearing my Celine Dion t-shirt. And if you happen to have like the cat's eye makeup and a bouffant, you do Amy Winehouse? Yeah, pretty much. If I just have fallen into that. <laughs> if you're still wearing yesterday's clothes. <laughs> yeah, I actually can't do um, an eyeliner flick, um, which would probably add to my Amy Winehouse impressions. But I can kind of, I can sing Valerie pretty okay. Mm. I, it's quite fascinating to like realize that like you're really thinking about the whole effect of performance, like outfit everything yeah like it, there's a big performative element to it and it, yeah it's some i i think about it probably now an unhealthy amount because <laughs> i i mean i i think you told me like maybe before i moved to new york that i would start loving karaoke this much like i probably would have told you you were insane but it has become like something that i think about all the time it's, it's not an addiction though it's more like a cult yeah it's okay. very much a cult with a cool color some colorful characters i'm gonna ask a question about you guys. So, Anna, what is the most dazzling Justin performance you've ever witnessed? And Justin, what is Anna's best performance you've ever witnessed? Oh, that's a good question. I think Justin probably knows. Well, like, it... describe the scene. Okay. Um, I remember I saw Justin do Pearl Jam's Black, and like, I'm ninety percent sure I cried. Like, I got really emotional for many reasons, including the fact that I just love that song. And Pearl Jam always reminds me of my dad, who's, by the way, is alive. Like, it's not like, <laughs> not like yeah, I cried because he passed away or something. But I love my dad, so that was why. And I remember you did Pearl Jam Black, and it was 
phenomenal. And I think even just like in my head, like I don't know if it was different, but it felt like the lighting was darker. Like it felt like everything was like more perfect. And Justin is like very performative and he got like really into it. And I think, do I remember you like rolling around or like something, something really dramatic had happened. I go where the song takes me. Yeah, you don't remember. No, it's, it's, well, I've done that song a lot of times and it's, it's, you do it a lot of times because I've like pestered you to do it way more after that first time. Yeah, actually, the, one of the, the the rule the I guess the unwritten karaoke rules of that breaks is that it has a very long outro. Mm. But the you on the other hand, it's better to have a long outro than a long intro because it gives you more. If you if you do have the crowd in your hand, then you you can get away with going the yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, if you're just bombing, they'll cut you off. And, and he did have the crown to send it. It's such a great song. Um, I do find karaoke like really emotional sometimes. Cathartic. I find it cathartic, and also just like I do love when either like I've dragged friends of mine or there's friends of mine that I have made love karaoke, particularly in London. I've dragged a lot of my friends to karaoke, and now they love it. Mm. And I've seen like when I've seen them sing, and when they found songs that they love, like I get kind of like I get. Maternal? Maternal, yeah. Like, I'll get emotional, but I'll be like, oh, I'm so proud of them. Or, like a yenta. Yeah, it feels kind of good. What about you? What's the dazzling Anna image you remember? Um, the one that, that's coming to mind now is, uh, this is this is one that you've done a lot, is uh, Killing tell, Me Softly. Tell us what she was wearing. I don't remember all those details, but I, re, I what I remember is we were probably at Pine Box. You did Killing Me Softly. And I think what struck me about that was that it was a very it was like a very full room but everybody was like wrapped and people like because like in the, the verses there it's it's there's a lot of space in them so but like there was there was between the 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 lines like there was there was you, there was no chatter you had the the room's undivided attention you know it's so funny that you mentioned that because that song i feel like can be really hit or miss that's another like funny thing about karaoke is that you can do a song like on a certain night to a certain audience and people can love it or be really into it. And I've done Killing Me Softly before and people like have talked over it, like people have not been into it. And then sometimes you do it and everyone's really into it and they're doing like the White Clef Jean, like one, one time, time, like bit <laughs> in the background. But then other times you do it and it like, goes really badly. But I do remember like I think once or twice in my life I've done Killing Me Softly and people like were really into it. Yeah, and again, it is it is just one of those things where it's like, it was the the stars were aligned where it was like a you know a perfect performance, well, a, an excellent performance, <laughs> oh, and uh, you know the room was just like it was just like the right vibe where it's like what they wanted at that exact moment was a kind of a chill out song, mm. but also something that was like not 
uh, that had a lot of emotional breath to it, but wasn't like histrionic. My favorite thing in karaoke is when someone sort of sings a song you wouldn't expect them to sing. So, like, the other night when me and Phil did Michelle Branch, like, I look exactly like the kind of person that would sing Michelle Branch. I probably could get into a nightclub pretending that I am Michelle Branch. (laughs) Like, I look more or less the same as her. But when then Phil comes in and, like, sings the verse, and Phil is this burly metalhead guy... I think it adds like a comedic element, which was one of my favorite things in karaoke. Similarly, Matt Shaw used to do, my favourite of his was um, Rihanna, Only Girl in the World. Because A, like he couldn't sing it, like he couldn't hit any of the notes. But it's just so funny to hear a guy sing that song that I think that's later. That's when you're yeah. playing with the messing with the genres. Well, stuff. I think the what well, what made Matt Shaw an effective karaokeist was that he was willing to commit to a bit. Mm. Um even if it, you know, that sometimes that blew up in his face when he did like, uh, what was the the song you were complaining he was doing? He always does um, I can't go for that, which just goes on for so long. And he never, like, well, he'll never get off the stage and sort of say thank you after they say, I can't go for that, like 30 times. Like, it's time to just kind of say thanks and like yeah, get off the Yeah, the, the long outro, it's like, well, we, we had some of this the, the other night when we were at Cobra where... Uh, you know, when a song has a long outro, you kind of want the the the, the host to come up on stage and cut you off. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you can't, you know, you it's it, it's it's awkward to just like put the mic down and walk away. But yeah, I I want people to sort of like have a little signal where they can like get the person to come over and help them out. Yeah, I, I I've I've been I've I've been a, a couple of times I've I've wanted to do like the wrap it up hand signal, but uh, I know maybe this is something we can talk to Bose about. Karaoke Theory is hosted and produced by Anna Keeley and Justin Falcone. Editing assistance by Eleanor Gray. In this week's episode, you heard performances by 
Anna and Justin singing Celine Dion's All Coming Back to Me Now. Alyssa singing Alanis Morissette's Hand in My Pocket. Me singing Pearl Jam's Black. Anna singing The Fugees' Killing Me Softly. Anna and Phil singing Michelle Branch's All You Wanted. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at Karaoke Theory, and read show notes and more at karaokeTheory.com.